here today to celebrate good news being fulfilled. Thank you, Lord, for paying the ultimate penalty for all of us. Thank you, Lord, for being a great redeemer and restorer. Thank you for being rich in mercy, for being kind and good. Thank you for being just that you you did indeed exercise your payment. Thank you for your love, that you love the world. Lord Jesus, that you were able to sacrifice your son for it. May we contemplate that good news tonight, the next day, the day after, and so on. All of our lives, Lord, we pray for that. Give us that grace. Speak to us right now. Encourage us in what you've done. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Have a seat, family. I want to thank the Lord for song and praise as we are um, thinking about uh, what our, our Savior has done. If you are not familiar with this time, uh, what we're doing, I'm, first I'm uh, one of the pastors here, my name is Eric, and, and we are celebrating a Good Friday. Uh, if you look around, you see the, the lights are a little dimmer. Uh, you see we have a black cloth hanging, uh, your boy's all in black. Uh, we are, we are uh, wanting to retell the story of uh, that day that happened in history. See, what, what separates Christianity from other religions is, is that everything that happened to Jesus happened in history. Uh, right? And indeed, Good Friday, you might wonder, well, why is it Good Friday um, if your leader died? Right? Why, is that, why is that good? Well, what I want to do is I want to read uh, some verses uh, to encourage us as we continue to think about what happened on Good Friday when Jesus died, uh, to contemplate his sacrifice. Uh, and then I want to pause and have us just think through like what, what it means. I'll look through a few things, and then I want to hopefully give us a charge. So if you would turn to Matthew chapter 27, verse uh, 27, we're going to just read and, and be encouraged on that great story as we ask that question, why is this such a Good Friday if our leader died? Scriptures read, and be, allow this time just to contemplate and think of the story. We're entering the story where, where Jesus um, has, has lived his life. He's been uh, doing what God does, saying what God says. He's been uh, living that sacrificial life. He's been uh, healing to validate his, his kingdom reign. And all of this was because God created us out of love, but then we, in our own audacity, in our own failure, we sinned, right? Fell short of the glory of God, and, and God should have destroyed us, but he didn't. Indeed, what he did was he, uh, he gave us mercy, right? And he allowed us to keep his world and to operate in his world, and, and in doing so, continue to validate our need for him because we get to see uh, very quickly how sinful we are as we continue to do life. And instead of allowing this world to continue to decreate and for us to just basically implode because of all of our evil, what God has done, uh, he then sends his son Jesus to redeem his world, to redeem his people. And so we're entering in on that story in chapter 27 where we're seeing um, him pay the ultimate sacrifice. 
realizing we needed our sin paid for, realizing that we were sinful and God is holy. It reads, Then soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Verse 29, And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! So at this point, he has these, these thorns in his head, um, the, the robes on him, and, and actually that's after he's been just lashed. It says they spit on him and took the, the reed and struck him on his head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. And they went out and they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. Don't miss that. That's a good point there. There's something Jesus is trying to say there. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. And so they had beaten Jesus. And you guys, have, maybe you've, uh, you've researched and understand uh, what, what it looked like to, to enter into this process of crucifixion. Uh, that the, the Romans were, they were experts in how to execute someone, right? And so as we even look at this, we, we're not even talking about the, the lashings that happened beforehand. Uh, usually... The number was 39 lashings, many times more. Uh, and they would have this whip uh, that had broken bone at the, at the edge of it. And these metal, these metal like hard balls. So the balls can like hit you and it can bruise you and then the bones can scar you. And then eventually it would rip the flesh off your back. Now, many people wouldn't even last past the lashings. Because uh, historians show in antiquity that many times after the lashing, people could actually see uh, the, the spine. That's how deep the gashes would go. But, but these guys were so serious about wanting to make sure you felt the pain and agony. They thought they tried to think of creative ways of how to crucify you so you wouldn't die early. They wanted you to feel the pain. It says... Verse 36, then they sat down and kept watch over him there, and over his head they put the charge against him, which read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then robbers, uh, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right hand and one on the left, and those who passed by uh, derided him, wagging their heads mm -mm -mm, and saying, you who would have destroyed the temple and rebuilt it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. Let him do one last miracle. Perform for us. Verse 43. He trusts in God, and let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him, saying in him in the same way, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And on the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So when they grabbed Jesus, they took this man who 
He's been doing all these good works, and, and obviously he, the word was out now, and he was not denying it, that he was the son of God. He was the one sent for our evil, to take away the sin of the world. So when they put him on um, this cross, it says, uh, historians would say that actually they, they stretched, it stretched his hands like six inches apart. So basically, if you stretch out, like the way they stretch you, it basically broke both shoulders. And it, imagine you stretching as far as you can, and then now you got to go another six inches. That's how far they stretched. And they made sure they didn't want to rip through the flesh, and so they would make sure they, these, these Roman executionists, I don't want to get too graphic, I just want you to see, um, there's a reason uh, historically why Jesus actually died a gruesome death. Because our sin is gruesome. And, and part of that uh, is God retelling that story, and they would stick the nail in to make sure they would find a hollow part to make sure that it can stay up, and they would stick the nails in there. And it would hit a nerve. Historians would say it would hit, it would hit a nerve. And it would, it would destroy the nerve as they hit it. And they knew how to do these things. And, and the, way they had to, the way they nailed your feet was they basically, you know, if you notice in history, uh, they would have them slightly bent. And the reason why is because they realized if they did not bend their legs and, and, and help them have some kind of stability, they would just eventually die and suffocate just very quickly because they couldn't pick themselves up. And so they gave them some... They gave him a little rest here, and so like they would crucify kind of like, like this so that you can kind of pick yourself up to breathe. The whole point of that was you're going to have an excruciating death, but they wanted to last a little longer because they wanted to shame the person who was up there. So imagine, so Jesus says, God, why are you forsaking me? Verse 47 says, And some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, This man is calling Elijah. They're just mocking. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and gave it to them, to him to drink. But the other said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up the spirit. May I say in, in, other, in other passages, it says that at that point, you know what Jesus says? In that loud voice, right? That last cry out, it is finished. Yeah. When you translate that, it's, it has so many different beautiful translations of it's the concept of, of doing what your master has asked you to do, of accomplishing the task. The sense of, and, and, and it's interesting, and in, each, in each gospel, you see the sense of, he says, it is finished, and it's almost like he knew, uh, you know, historians would talk about uh, his heart beating faster, uh, at this point, he's, I mean, he's kind of can't really see straight, uh, I mean, you know, all kind of uh, bugs at this point, actually, they talk about how all those different lashings and things of that sort, you now got bugs and all these things kind of planting eggs on them and, and things of that sort. Just imagine this in history. And he's up there. And what I'm blown away with, at any time, he could have gotten down. At any time, he could have said, you know what? No, I'm cool. No more of this. He says it. He tells him, he says, no one takes my life. I lay it down by my own accord. So imagine you're up there knowing your very creation is laughing at you, mocking you, spitting at you, hitting you, bruising you. Tearing your flesh apart, and yet you choose. You choose to stay. That's why Good Friday is good. 
Verse 51. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. Ah, you see that? Guess what? I tell our body all the time, the most important part of history, the most important point of history is not necessarily, it's not the second coming. That's exciting. It's going to be awesome. We're going to get glorified bodies, and we're going to talk about that Sunday. But I want you to see what happened, that the most important point of history is at the cross. Is at the cross. Don't ever forget that. If you want to remember any theology, the cross is where Jesus did it all. I'm going to pause there and go to, if I, if I can just encourage you, can I just encourage you on what Jesus' death on the cross did? Just give you a couple things. This won't be exhaustive at all, obviously. Um, in fact, I had this one document that shows over 40, 40 things that happened to us as people because of the cross. I'm just going to give us a few. But I want to do this because I want us to continue to, just to contemplate why, why are we excited about our Savior dying? Well, first, his death was sufficient for the atonement of our sin. It was sufficient. Right? There's many verses. John chapter 1, verse 29. Uh, Hebrews 9, verse 24 through 28. I won't read all of these. I'll just read 1 John verse one, uh, verse 7, chapter 1. Talking about our Savior. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus has his Son cleanses us from all sin. Mm, love that. That Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That, you know what? At the end of the day, there's no more sacrifices that need to be had. If you're not familiar with Christianity, let me just tell you uh, that we come from a, whole, a long lineage of people who revered God and who understood their sin. And so what they, would, what they would do is they would sacrifice bulls and goats and other animals and shed the blood of these animals to say to God, take this as a sacrifice on my my behalf. And, and God was gracious to take it, but, but that did not pay for sin. That, that did not, that just appeased God for a moment. It, but when Jesus came, the scripture says, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. And so because of Christ, we have that once and for all payment for all of our sin. Have you ever just paused and thought about that? Good Friday is a time to really think about that. To contemplate all of your sin being paid for by Jesus. Guess what else the Lord did? At the cross, he conquered death. At the cross, he conquered death. The scriptures read in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, but we see him for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. You know why it says he was made lower than the angels? First, he was fully man, fully God, but think about it. Angels don't die. He, he said, you know, I'm going to do things that even my other created beings can't do. I'm going to die. The scripture says, namely, Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the, su- of the suffering of death. You hear that? So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. See, when he died on the cross, like literally, when he died, he died for us. So that you 
would not experience that death, but you, you, we, we all die and we pass through it, through resurrection. That's exciting. Guess what else he does? He reconciled you and me back to God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Some verses just to encourage you in what the Lord has done on this wonderful day. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. You see what happened? Is that we were enemies and because of his death, we now can go boldly before God and be his friend. This happened. And we already talked about all the sacrifices are no longer needed. And finally, there's an assurance of salvation. Now, when I say assurance of salvation, let me make sure I make that clear. I think we have it a little mixed up in, in evangelicalism. We, we think assurance of salvation means, okay, I'm, I'm, going, I'm sure I'm going to be saved. Now, we, want, we, we have that assurity in a sense if you really are a Christian, but assurity of salvation in the Bible is always actually talking about Jesus' sufficiency, not your desire. That makes sense? Assurance of salvation means in the Bible that, that you can be assured that Jesus can save you. That's what it means, <laughs> right? That you don't have to go, man, did it, was it enough? Could he? No, that, hey, I got this. That's what assurance of salvation means. Now, you being a Christian is another discussion. But if you are a believer, Jesus has and will save you. That's what you can be assured of. And so uh, it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all times those who are being sanctified. And this is what God is doing. And there's other verses as well. First Peter chapter one, verses three through five. There's a lot of verses, but I just wanted you just to get a little glimpse, family, of what the Lord has done for you and for me. On this day. And so as we, as we, we, we want to re- respect and remember, man, our Savior was murdered. His blood shed for us. Man, it is good. <laughs> this day we remember the crucifixion of Jesus. Um, but can I encourage us before we go home, and this is one thing that sometimes we don't like to hear. There's more than just remembering um, just what he's done. But it seems like we would be faithful as, as leaders, as I read the Bible, um, is to call you, to call each of you to the cross. It seems like we just talk about what Jesus did, and we don't spend time calling you to the cross. I think we've, something's a little incomplete there. We want to embrace, embrace the resurrection, that we love that, but I want to say that the Bible calls us to the cross too, and that Good Friday is not just Jesus' cross, it's our cross. Let me prove it to you. Let's go to some verses. The scriptures read, Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Guys, this isn't just poetry. When he talks about your cross, he's talking about your cross. Right? Look what it says in the scriptures, verse 14, uh, chapter 20, sorry, verse 27, chapter 14 of Luke. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple powerful verse in Galatians chapter 2. Look what he says. He says, you and I, right? I have been crucified with Christ. The scriptures read. And what that means 
It is no longer I who live. So I've been crucified with Christ. The scriptures read, it seems like in Paul's mind and in Jesus' mind that when he was up on the cross and when we say yes to Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, we realize our sinfulness and we say yes to God, that the Bible teaches that ontologically, that literally you and I are crucified with our Savior. That you and I, we die. And it says, and if that's true, it is no longer I who live. So when you and I say, Lord Jesus, I'm not king, you're king, what, we're, what we really are saying, when we say, I, I believe that Jesus' cross has, has done this for me, what we, are, what, we're, what, we're, what we should be saying, what we are saying, what we're implying is that the implications of that is that now I have my own cross, is that I've died, and now I don't live. I've already died. So I don't need to protect my life. I don't need to consume. I'm not, I don't need to be grabbing all this stuff. Right? It's no longer my life. I died. But now the scripture says, it's Christ who lives in me. And look what it says, guys. And the life I now live, the life that we live in the flesh, I live by faith. So now we don't live by sight. We live by faith in the scriptures, in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. As you know, there's many verses that say this. But I want to leave with that, guys. Um, as, we, as we go home, as we sing in these songs, as we think about uh, Jesus' great payment for us, I want us to just ask the Lord, like, have we, have we died? Where are we at in that journey? Have we joined our Savior? What does that look like? Well, look at what he did. He sacrificially laid down his life. We don't get to pay for people's sin. But guess what we get to do? God allows us to now retell the story of the cross through our lives so people can see the cross that happened 2,000 years ago. So that's Good Friday, is that we celebrate our Savior, what he did for us, the freedom we now have, but also we have an opportunity to bear our own cross, to enjoy him. To live for God. May I ask you to be inviters as we talk about the Resurrection Sunday, as we talk about the hope that we now have because of his death. If he, I always say, you know, you don't, you don't have, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna celebrate Easter Sunday, you know that. But just remember, Good Friday is the road to Easter. You can't have Easter Sunday if you don't have Good Friday. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for not allowing myself to give into my own folly, but yet you saved me. Thank you for paying for my sin. Thank you for drawing me away when I was helpless. I'm weak. We're weak. And Lord, I thank you that in our weakness, Lord, in our... You've been strong. Thank you, Lord, that, that the, the power of the cross is foolishness to the world. The world doesn't get it. How is that powerful for a man to suffer and die? How is that conquering? But, Lord, we see what you've done. You've paid for sin of the world. You've redeemed us back to the Father. You've drawn us to yourself. And I ask, Lord, may we tell that story.
give us that grace, Jesus. Allow us to enjoy the fact that our sin is paid for and that we're free. And allow us to, no one in this room, Lord, allow us to be privy to the strongholds of the evil one, but to be living free, motivated by grace. Would you allow that power right now in the name of Jesus? Anyone right now who's bound, and you're saying, I, I get it theologically, but I'm not living that way. Lord, would you provide release right now in the name of Jesus? And Lord, I pray if there's anyone in this room never have received you as their Savior, would you give them the grace to believe you as their King right now? To say yes to you. Say, I repent of my sin. I want Jesus as my Savior. Thank you for dying for me. And Lord, would you fill that person with your Holy Spirit? Allow them to experience the forgiveness of your sin. Allow them to repent, to pick up their cross, and to walk with their Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, have a great night with your families and friends, and look forward to seeing you in the hood and on Sunday.